in the 38 years since the United States has won four World Cup titles and four Olympic gold medals, making it one of the most successful national teams for the Americans. Those premier teams get a lot of love, but the 85ers, as they're known, have not. It wanted to be the world governing body of the sport, and yet it didn't want to recognize women's football. This has been a long, long journey, a story with many, many chapters. And it goes back long before this last year, long before 1999. And so I think the only place to start is by recognizing the very first U.S. Women's National Team in 1985. Welcome to a new series of Flame Bears, special edition U.S. Women's Soccer Original, celebrating the first U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am beyond excited to be co-hosting this season with FIFA Player of the Century, Michelle Akers. Hey, team! In this series, we'll hear from the infamous 85ers, they blazed a trail at a time when women's soccer wasn't an Olympic sport and the Women's World Cup didn't even exist. We get to celebrate these badass originals who I am so proud to call myself a teammate of. These icons you don't know yet, but we're changing that. They're players who came from all over the country, some on scholarships, others playing different college sports because women's soccer didn't even exist at the time setting the foundation for what is now the biggest event in women's soccer this summer. Their stories have never been told until now. Now let's kick it off to today's episode. Kathy Ridgewell is a former forward for the U.S. women's national soccer team. She made three appearances for the team on the world stage. Here she is. So Kathy Williams, actually Kathy Ridgewell Williams. So that's why Michelle's calling me Ridgewell. Like that anybody from, you know, before I got married was even after I got married for a while, but I didn't hyphenate or keep my last name. I don't know why now. Like I think back and I go, well, I probably should have, but whatever. Yeah, you'll hear Ridgie too. Uh, especially people I grew up with. That was kind of the common term. Oh, I think my first memory of playing was just playground soccer with the boys. I remember coming into kindergarten and not really realizing that girls had only been able to wear pants to school for two years. Like that started, I think in 70, in 68 or seven, I started kindergarten in 70. You started in 71. I mean, we're old, right? I, I mean, I wore pants. I would never have gone, gone to school if I had to wear it. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize that at the time, but yeah, same thing. My mom, I, she tried to get me in dresses on picture day and I would sneak out my brother's hand-me-downs. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. Oh my gosh. I would throw my a, my wad of clothes into yep. the bushes from my bedroom window and change clothes walking yep, to school. Absolutely. How funny is that? You did that. Yep. Or I'd just sneak out. I wouldn't tell my mom when picture day was. Because then they'd always be like, oh, well, if you forgot, you know, just have her send the money the next day or whatever. Got it. Anyway, so yeah, I, I think so playing, and, and I really have heard this over the years, you know, everybody's experience is very similar. It grew up playing with boys. I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years old because there wasn't anything for girls. And the boys team was trying to recruit me and the league wouldn't allow it. So all my 
all the boys I played with at school were on a team and uh, they wanted me to play and the dads tried to make that happen and didn't happen. And so that was actually a boys team that we, our devils team played against all the time, which was one of the reasons why we were pretty good because we played that team, we scrimmaged against them all the time. Um, same age. So yeah, by fourth grade, I think I was faster than pretty much every boy in my class, at least maybe every boy in the school, except for there was one kid who was a good friend of mine who was faster. So he kept pushing me to run faster. He wanted me to beat him. He's like, you can't beat me. I was like, oh, yes, I can. So yes, I had speed on my side from really early age. Was there anyone super influential for you in your game? I don't know if he was English or Irish guy. I mean, at the time, we were probably 10 or 11, and he must have been like 90. And he used to ride by on his bike at practice, and he'd just come watch us. I don't think he was a creepy guy. He was just like this old soccer guy that wanted to, there was no soccer anywhere. It's like, oh, these little kids are playing soccer. And he gave me a couple of pointers on how to do one-on-ones when I was like eight or nine years old. And I think that really helped me kind of learn how to, and that was sort of what my, I don't know, my specialty was because it was fast enough to get in behind defenders. I used to score a lot of one-on-ones. Well, thank you to that 90-year-old man on the bicycle. I know, I don't remember his name. It's like George or something, I don't remember. And he'd spit, you know, he didn't like have a lot of teeth left and he'd tell you and you'd have to stand back a little bit because there was like spit flying everywhere. It's awesome. Old, old English guy, yeah. Couldn't understand half of what he was saying, but I did figure it out. And you two played together when you were really young, right? Tell us about the first time you played together. So my youth team, I think we had soccer at maybe U9 or U10 was about the earliest it started. And so our team was the reigning state champions for our age group, the Auburn Devils. Oh, I remember. Do you remember the Auburn Devils? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm surprised because you guys just whomped on everybody. So anyway, Michelle's team, I think we were maybe you, you must have been 14. So maybe we were going into U16, our, our team. And we hear that there's this team from Shoreline coming into our league that's been the reigning state champions for the year younger age groups, right? And we're like, oh, upstarts, you know, we're going to crush these guys, right? So they come out to the first league game and we got to see Michelle Akers for the first time. And I'm sorry, Michelle, I know I'm not embarrassing you, but it was a um, kind of jaw-dropping moment. Like no one knew how to stop her. She was all over the field. She was using every single inch of her body to play soccer, which we were all just like, what is happening? (laughs) She's on the ground, she's in the air, she's at the end line on one side of the field, she's at the end line on the other side of the field. Like she was just like this, this phenom that we just, I mean, it was really at 15, I think I was 15, my teammates were 15. Michelle was only a year younger. And we were just like, oh my gosh, what'd you get done with the game? And I'm sure they wiped us out by, you know, at least a few goals. And uh, nobody could stop her. Honestly, that was such, and I know you probably hear different things from different people over the years. And you and I haven't talked in probably since the national team. I mean, so long. Like it's been that yeah. long. But I, it's always just so easy to go back. And I, I just like, I don't know if I ever told you back then, but it was such a pivotal moment for me as a player because I'll tell you at the time, yes, I thought I was pretty good. <laughs> you know, 
you have this self, you know, impression and the impact that you're having at the time. And all of a sudden I realized I could be so much better, right? Well, I'm like, what? Like, uh, it's, first of all, I had no idea I was that good. I was just- Yeah, I know you were. We all knew that. And- You knew you didn't know. You did? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you just like throw yourself everywhere. Just pick yourself up off the ground and keep going. And we were just like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> who is this? She's like this alien, right? Like, no, serious. I mean, it was yeah. just such a, you were just playing. I think that's what was so incredibly special about playing with you and playing against you when we were all developing, you know, from like 16 to 20. Someone else who had a similar experience with Michelle was Kathy's soccer teammate, Diana. My name's Diana Inch, and... I know Kathy Ridgewell Williams now from soccer back in the 70s. When I, I moved to Auburn, Washington, I played on a, a younger team, the Roadrunners. I was the right back, and I don't know. Michelle played all the, I think she was probably center midfield or something. And I tell, I've told people this for years. It's like playing against her, she just, cut through me like butter like oh there she goes because she was just a machine and she just would I would take Michelle Akers in her teens and probably early 20s and have put her on any national team right now. Meanwhile while this was going on this is what Diana said was happening behind the scenes at Western. And this is in the fall of 1985 and <laughs> There's soccer tryouts, and so I'm trying out for the, the soccer team at Western Washington University. Go Vikings! And Kathy isn't available to be at tryouts, and our and our coach is telling the team that there's a player who isn't at tryouts that is going to make the team without being at tryouts because he felt that anybody who was playing on the national team was probably good enough to play on the, the Western Vikings. And that was difficult for some of the, you know, the senior players to take. So Kathy missed tryouts because of the Mundalito, is that right? And she was. Kathy, what did you do after 85? I was injured in 86. I had a year off. I actually took a whole year off of school, too. What, what happened then? Was that an ankle? In 86, no, I tore my hip flexor off in 86 at the sports Oh, my festival. gosh, yeah. Actually, I think I did it at the, at the finals for club and then r- was trying to, you know, play on it through the festival, and it, was, it wasn't working very well. <laughs> So I took a year off because it had it had like 85% detached. So I was able to like not have surgery because it, it grew itself back together, but I literally couldn't do anything. So spring of 87, I started training and got back on in 87 and then really had an opportunity to go to Cal. Got recruited by Leslie Gallimore and a couple other people to come play. And so you remember Dang Pibelvich? I forgot she was your coach. She was our assistant. Yeah, yeah. She she's she um, graduated the year, just that 
May before. And so her and Mary Harvey recruited me and dragged, dragged me there. I love Berkeley. I, I wish I would have been there all four years. But, you know, back then... So did you play with Tucka too? Cause yeah. Tucka's, Tucka's been trying to put me in touch with Mary for her yeah, episode. Yeah. Tucka and I, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, did. We, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so 87, I decided to just go back and finish school. I knew Berkeley was going to be a challenge for me. I wasn't there academically. <laughs> I was there on a soccer scholarship. And the kids there were really, really smart. I mean, really, really smart. And so I had to work really, really hard to keep my grade point up and to be able to graduate in time. What'd you graduate with? Where, what'd you a, a political economy degree. Wow, cool. So, and international relations, yeah. And so I ended up taking off, went to China for a year and a half. After, well, I, I waited a little while because Tiananmen had happened in 89 when I graduated. And so it took about eight months before they let foreigners back in. And so I actually ended up going home just a few months before you all came in 91 for the for the World Cup. And I was so pissed because while I was there, I mean, back then, I didn't know that's where you were coming from the World Cup. So I went home and I was like, oh, crap, I could have just stayed and watched, you know. But yeah, anyway. And then I ended up training. There was a team here that was kind of a... You know, Jan was on it, a bunch of Kozars were on it, Sharon McMurtry was on it. You know, there was a bunch of people who had re regrouped into a new women's team called Team Diodora or something. And I was, it was a blast. And I was like, oh, I'm actually stronger than I was a couple of years ago. Like, I'm, you know, I was 26. I didn't realize. And we didn't know these things back then. Like, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm like better than I was. Like, <laughs> And I got in a car accident three months later, <gasps> and I was in therapy for two years, so. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. What? Yeah, it wiped out my back and my neck, and so um, I didn't play any. I mean, I, I didn't play competitively. I'd kick around and play some co-ed, like, and not go into tackles and things like that. But yeah, it ended everything for me. So, turned to coaching, which found out really quickly I actually loved more than playing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Um, and coached off and on. I coached some of the Premier League teams out here, you know, got tired of the politics, went more grassroots. It was just more fun and had my own kids. I have two boys. One's 20, one's 27. So I didn't end up with girls, but, you know, I coached the boys and found out really quickly how um, uh, dysfunctional the men's program is. Since then, I mean, just my career-wise, I ended up doing what I do best is so... I've been a performance manager in some role, director, manager, whatever, uh, consultant, coach for private sector. Um, not, I did nonprofit and now I'm in public sector. So I actually work for the Office of the Governor uh, for Washington State as the Innovation and Performance Director for um, the Office of Equity. <laughs> so... That's a lot of a lot of jargon yeah, in there. What does yeah. that even what, mean? What does that mean? That, that come means on. that... Um, we need to understand and be aware of structural issues that cause inequities in government. Oh my God. So my job is to hold agencies in, in the state accountable for moving towards equitable solutions. Wow, so you're obviously a trailblazer in more than just the world of soccer. Diana, why is it important to tell these stories and Kathy's story in particular? It is so important to hear their story because they did pave the way. 
and it has influenced when you think about the ripple effect of these folks in particular. And even me, the prankster, you know, just kind of being on sidelines, the influence that we've they've had on generations of soccer players who may have not played soccer were it not for for these folks. And just the passion that they have for the game and that just the drive and determination and the the quality and heart they put into the game. It's like they all just lived, breathed, you know, slept, died soccer. And that was so, you know, that's how they they rolled. And I think, like, you know, Kathy was probably the best player on, on our team. Thanks for joining us. And massive thank you to my amazing co-host, Michelle Akers. If you would like to send in a video or a letter of appreciation or gratitude to Kathy Ridgewell or the 1985 team, please send it to Marissa P at flamebearers.com. That's Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A, P as in Potter, at flamebearers.com. Help share how much you appreciate what they've done for women's sports everywhere. We'll catch you on our next episode. 